Uh, so I'm just going to read from 1 Peter. Um, 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 8. And it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, even though refined, refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Thank you so much. Hi guys, my name is Pippa. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Um, so this is, I think, maybe my third time in Nottingham. Um, so I'm a tourist for sure. I'm originally from just north of London, a place called Hertfordshire. Do we have anybody in the house from Hertfordshire? Yes, we've got one person. And uh, anyone from Sheffield? Because I now live in Sheffield. Another person. Excellent. Um, so just a little bit about, about me. Thank you for having me. I, I, like I said, like Gareth said, we met through a mutual friend. Um, my past life, my, my previous career was in advertising. I worked in advertising in central London for six years. And I worked on some amazing clients, some amazing pieces of business. My last client was Cadbury's Chocolate. And yes, I did get lots of free chocolate. It was great. I worked on L'Oreal. I got loads of free shampoo. Honestly, it was such a highlight. And then uh, Gordon's Gin, not bad, free gin. Um, I worked on Mercedes, didn't get a free car. Um, but now I work for the church, so I basically work for free. So that's excellent. Um, I gave up my job two and a half years ago to work full-time for Jesus as a missionary. I work within the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. And you might think that those two words sound contradictory, Catholic and charismatic. But let me tell you, it's not a contradiction. Here I am. And um, so it's a real honor. It's a real privilege to be with you tonight. Um, love that you start church with mulled wine and mince pies. It's just great. Because I am definitely part of the mince pie love fan club. I love mince pies. Anybody who is also lover of mince pies, hands up. Okay, and where are the haters at? Okay, man, I don't get you. I love mince pies. To a point where when I was about 13, you know, you're going through your kind of puppy fats phase and you're a little bit conscious, but mince pies, they got me every time. And I would eat them so much at Christmas. One time I remember my mum saying, darling, do you need another mince pie? And um, that was obviously mortifying, but I proceeded to have another mince pie. So um, we are fully in Advent. We're, we're feeling more and more Christmassy as time goes on. And um, this is a time of 
tradition, isn't it? Family traditions. Lots of us will have had kind of almost really weird, rigid routines of the way that we do um, Christmas. You know, it starts at Christmas Day or maybe even Christmas Eve, I don't know, up to Boxing Day. So just for two minutes or even less than, speak to your neighbor. What are some of the traditions that you do as a family? Have a quick word with the person next to you. So, I'm sure there will be a variety of answers in the room. How many people have loads of traditions around food? Like, so many things around food, right? You have to eat this at this stage. It's really strange. That's what me and my family do. And... um, We have a bit of a routine. It starts on Christmas Eve. It takes us through to Boxing Day. And then kind of the rest of the Christmas season is just this beautiful amalgamation of eating and drinking and napping and talking and gaming. It's just the absolute best. And I grew up in a Christian home thank God. And uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful family to be brought up in. And we had traditions around Jesus for sure. We definitely had traditions around Jesus and about putting him central to the Christmas season. But I'd say that quite a lot of our traditions were based on another man. And his name is Father Christmas. And um, we used to put me and my twin, who is actually here, you won't, she doesn't look like me, so you wouldn't pick figure out from a crowd but um we used to put up our stockings on our mantelpiece because let's be honest firstly why would you put a stocking at the end of your bed aren't you a bit frightened of the fact that a big fat hairy man would come into your room in the middle of the night absolutely terrified we definitely put them on our mantelpiece and we would put them there on christmas eve and we would put a mince pie and a little um glass of brandy and a little for Father Christmas and a little carrot for Rudolph and then the next morning um, the mince pie would just have some crumbs left on the on the on the um, plate and the brandy would have been drunk and the carrot bitten into good old Rudolph and um, the next morning we'd always say our parents would say to us oh has Father Christmas been That would be the first question, the first words of Christmas Day. I don't know if anyone else can relate. And now I'm not saying that that's a bad question to ask. But as a Christian family, uh, perhaps it's not the right first question to ask. Because perhaps the right first question for a Christian family would be, has Jesus come? Has Jesus been born? And um, I think this kind of is a bit of a reflection of the truth of society, really. That this little baby in a manger, the God-man, the divine one, has somehow been eclipsed by a man called Father Christmas. It's like Father Christmas's belly has got bigger and bigger and bigger and he's, he's taken the place. We can't see the little baby in a manger. I don't know if you can relate. And it's true that Christmas perhaps has a new protagonist. I read this week that a third of children in the UK between the ages of 10 and 15 uh, didn't know that Christmas celebrates the birth of Christ. Didn't know that Christmas was about Jesus. They perhaps thought it was about Father Christmas and presents and joy. And of course, you know, something in us doesn't really, we're not offended by that. We think that's okay because Santa Claus brings us joy and he brings us presents. And that's okay, right? And of course it is. But actually, when we look at Santa Claus, when we look at Santa, Father Christmas versus Jesus, it's really interesting to see 
that they don't just look different in the way that they look, but actually what they stand for, what they're about is different. So tonight we're going to look at Santa versus Jesus. Um, The first thing when I was thinking about Santa Claus versus Jesus, the new protagonist versus the one that Christmas is all about, is that the first thing I was struck by is that Father Christmas is said to make a list of all the children in the world, right? We know it. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. And, you know, and, he, and, and he's checking if people are naughty or nice. This is the story of Father Christmas, that actually Father Christmas only gives gifts to the good ones, He only comes for the good ones and the bad ones, they get a lump of coal. This is the story. Now, this struck me that this person that Christmas is about now, you know, he's come for the good ones, but Jesus is the complete opposite. Jesus has come for everyone. Santa comes for the good ones. Jesus comes for everyone. And this hit me like a ton of bricks in church the other day. I was sat there and I was sat next to this father and he was, sat, he was with his daughter, who was about four. And he turned to his daughter and he said, okay, darling, well, um, you know how I was telling you about being good so Father Christmas will come on Christmas Day? Well, this counts. So you have to be good in church So Father Christmas has come. I sat there like thinking, we have got some stuff messed up, man. Our theology is all over the place. In church, I was hearing that. You know, that actually our message is confused, even in the church somehow. And maybe you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You're very welcome if that's you. And maybe you're thinking, I don't know if I believe in God But even if there is a God, I'm not sure I'm good enough for him. Maybe you think that. Maybe that's what you think Christmas is about or God is about. And can I just tell you, this is not the message of Jesus. Jesus came for sinners. He came for the people who are in a mess And we can see this so beautifully and extravagantly in the Christmas story that Jesus comes in human flesh into this stable in the middle of human mess. The truth is we are all a bit messy. And if you're here thinking, I just feel really confused, maybe dark in a time of darkness, doubt, that's when he comes. Right in the middle of our mess, that's when he comes. That's when he wants to be close to us. This is the extravagance and the difference of our gospel. And this is the good news of Christmas. The truth is he doesn't wait for us to get good. And even in the church, we don't believe this. We still think God loves me because I'm a good person. In fact, I would say that in the Christian circles, perhaps it's even more of a temptation. I've done good things. I can count my works. God loves me even more. This isn't the gospel. That God has come for people. He wants to save us. 
This is called grace, the gift of God. And he's not afraid of mess. And how thankful I am that he's not afraid of mess. That he would come into our world. He would come so close. You know, I think about the stable. You know, there would have been poo everywhere. There were oxen and axe, ass and cattle. And they just would it wouldn't have been a like nice, neat scene that we kind of can imagine in our heads in the church. It would have been messy and unneat. And Jesus comes right there. So that's the first thing. Santa versus Jesus. Santa comes for the good ones. Jesus comes for everyone. The second thing is, slide please. Santa comes down the chimney, whether we like it or not, bearing gifts or bearing coal, versus we get to choose if Jesus comes in. Choosing Jesus, God, the whole narrative of salvation is your free choice. It's your choice. I gave my life to Christ in a really surrendered way when I was 20. I said to God, you can have my life, God. You can be my Lord. I want you to be my Lord. And you know what? I have never been forced to choose Jesus, ever. I've never been forced. It's always been invitation. Don't you find it amazing as we think about the Christmas story? And we're going to be hearing this more and more as we get closer to Christmas. This beautiful, almost radical scene of Mary and Joseph. And they've got, this, they've got God with them. And what do they do? They go around and they knock on doors. And they say, are we welcome here? And then we hear so many people that say, no, sorry, you can't come in. The Christmas story shows the most like radical parts of any story you'll ever hear, that God became a human and that we get to choose for or against God. We get to say whether we want to say yes to God or not. And again, if you're here and you're not a Christian, please don't feel forced Please don't feel manipulated. Know that there's a loving God who just wants to be in relationship with you. And he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, hey, can I come in? Is there room for me here? It's an invitation. And you can say yes or no. I want to implore you. <laughs> saying yes has genuinely changed my life in a really good way. It is truly changed. I, I can't think of anything better than to follow Jesus. It's the most wonderful adventure, not without trial, but still beautiful. And when I was praying today for you, I felt God saying that there may be some people here that think it's too late to choose. It's not too late. It's not too late. Thirdly, in Santa versus Jesus, Santa comes once a year. Jesus comes every day. As Christians, we don't believe that Jesus just came once in history. And somehow we can kind of be, we can think about that, can't we? When we're 
we're thinking about the Christmas story. We're thinking, wow, this is a story about 2,000 years ago, a moment in history where God entered the world. But as Christians, we don't believe he just came in history. We believe that he is here right now, that he is here in mystery. It is a mystery. And that he is coming again in majesty. This is what we believe as Christians. So that means that we can choose him and know him every day. And this is the beautiful walk of being a Christian. It's not just a one-time thing, that choice. We have to wake up every day and say yes to God afresh. I have to do that every day. I say to the Lord as soon as I wake up, Lord, I consecrate myself to you today. I say yes to you today. I'm on team Jesus today. We have to say yes every day. But when we do say yes, oh, this inexpressible joy that comes. That's why we read that beautiful reading from 1 Peter just before I came up. It says, yet you have not seen him, but you love him. And it gives us an inexpressible joy. God wants to give us more than we're used to. God wants your Christmas this year to be more than you're used to. A story to illustrate my point. So um, a few years ago, my mum always buys turkeys from a supermarket. And for many years, she bought frozen ones. And then she would defrost them and then bung it in the oven on Christmas Day. Tasted great. And... Um, but it was a few, maybe three years ago or something, and she'd bought this frozen turkey. It had been defrosting, and she'd prepped it really well. She'd got, like, under the skin with the butter, you know, all that really lovely. And she put garlic and potatoes and lemons and onions all around it. So it was properly prepped, covered in tin foil. And I was, like, just up in my room, and my mum called me down, Pip, can you just come and smell this turkey, please? And so she had kind of got it in her head that, the turkey wasn't all right, that actually, mm, I'm not sure whether we should eat that. She said, can you, can you smell it, please? I'm like, I have no idea what, it should be, what turkey should smell like, but yes, I obliged, of course. And she convinced herself, no, we can't, we can't have that turkey. So she said, right, we're going down to the supermarket. I said, with the turkey in the roasting tin? She said, yes, yes, just pick it up, darling. So naturally, I was the one that had to pick up the turkey and take it into the supermarket in the roasting tin, covered in tin foil. I was the one that looked like the loony. And my mum came in and said, I'm so sorry. Uh, we can't, we, I'm not sure about this turkey. I was just sort of stood there <laughs> right next to my look, I looked like such a leaven. And this supermarket man was so kind. He was so friendly. He said, we quite understand, madam. Um, absolutely fine. Please take yourself to the fresh aisle turkey aisle and choose two turkeys as big as you want you can also have the lemons and the onions and the garlic that were in the frozen turkey's bottom and you can have new ones and um and that's just for your trouble we'll also give you like I don't know what it's like 50 quid shopping vouchers or something and it was crazy, you know, my mom left. It was a good Christmas that year. It was a really good Christmas. She was absolutely made up. But the point is, is that actually, I think it's just a beautiful story of kind of how Jesus wants to transform what we're used to, which might be just a frozen turkey that smells a bit 
aren't off. (laughs) Even if it's a beautiful turkey, the point is God wants to give us more. God wants to give us more peace. God wants to give us more purpose. God wants to give us more love and patience. And some of us here are feeling a bit nervous about Christmas. I've got to be in my family and I don't really know how to love that, you know, that cousin or that uncle or my brother or my sister. God wants to give you more love so you can love your family. Some people here are really lacking in purpose. Let me tell you, Jesus gives us a purpose that gets us up every morning. Such a sense of like real life with Jesus. I can say that because I feel it. I feel it following him. And maybe we've got used to life just looking the same. Let me tell you, life doesn't have to look just the same. This is an invitation, a knocking on your door, the door of your heart. Do you want more? Do you want more from life? Because this is what he is offering. This is what he's offering you. Not just me, you. Every person in this room is offered this new life with Jesus. The question is, Will you let him in? It's an invitation. So I'm just going to finish with prayer. So if you feel comfortable, I just invite you to close your eyes. And right now, just let any kind of worries or thoughts in your head, just let them be at peace. Don't overanalyze yourself. We can do that so quickly, can't we? Don't criticize yourself. We can do that so quickly, can't we? Right now, you are loved by God. God loves you right now. He's not asking you to change to be loved. You are loved right now. He sees you. He knows you so intimately, so intricately. Lord, let your love come into our hearts afresh tonight. Come, Holy Spirit. Come with your peace and your joy. And some people here have never let God into their heart before. And an invitation now, just as God is knocking on the door of your heart, you can say yes. It is as simple as that. And even if you have said yes before, an invitation to say yes again. So, Lord, we thank you that you came in such a lowly and humble way to show us 
that joy is more than we can buy. It's more than the gifts we receive on Christmas Day. Joy is found in being loved by you. Thank you for your love.